Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you like what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel, find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, t-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. And today, uh, welcoming back for the third time, Mr. Marcus Torgerson. Uh, you guys know Marcus from an episode I did last year at the start of the pandemic. And then halfway Christmas of last year, 2021, he was on here with Jason Johnson. And it's good to have him back for a third time. And it's we're doing something different here. I've always wanted to have a guest on where I don't have notes. I don't have an agenda. And I couldn't have think of a better person than Marcus to be on here because there's so much going on that, again, Marcus, great to have you on here. Well, thank you. I, uh, <clears throat> I am very honored to be here because, you know, without sucking ass, I absolutely hold you to the highest degree of respect. And I, and I love that, Marcus. And I, just to kind of jump into it, um, I had an episode a couple of weeks ago with Gerard McBee, Malibu for American Gladiators. And what I loved the most about the episode, obviously about the Gladiators and all the acting and stuff, we had a part where we talked about the idea of just being good people, just talking to someone. And I told the story of when I talked to my male person for the first time after dropping off merch orders literally all year, it just randomly going, how's your day going? And it spurred this really cool conversation, which I immediately thought of you because you're someone who's very, you're always out there, you're always communicating, you're telling people you're good or your bad days. For you, how important is it to have a conversation with someone you don't know every day or someone you do know and learn something new about that person? I, uh, I think that it is probably the single most important thing as a species that we need to do. And it doesn't, you know, when we say have a conversation, all of a sudden people panic because they're like, well, fuck, I don't really want to get that close to somebody. But what bothers me is when you walk by somebody like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, good, how are you doing? And, and it's just so fleeting. If you just take a second, be like, man, thanks for asking me and have a great day or whatever. Or even walking up to somebody being like, you know, that shirt is dope. I love that shirt. Or whatever. Anything that has a, that's just positive. Because you don't know what that person's going through, right? You have no idea. And you may, not being dramatic, you may have actually kept them from doing something permanent that they would regret. It's, especially if the last couple of years, and we don't have to really talk about it, but you put the mask on, everyone stays away from each other. And don't get me wrong, I love the idea of not being near people sometimes, <laughs> but... There was this weird time after the first six months where it's like you didn't, you didn't even want to say hi to your friends or your family. You didn't know who to hug. And it's like we lost that human aspect of just saying hello. How's your day? Because yep. like you said, you could save a life just by saying, man, that, that shirt's really cool. Or, oh, I love how you got your nails done. Or yep. how's work going? Like what's the price yep. of bananas? And it's like yep. you create this small talk that I think is not only beneficial for yourself. Because for me, I love the idea of the communication and Think quick, quick thinking on your feet, and just kind of just having, just being a human, right? And yes. I just love the the reactions people have, where it's like this this woman that works at the grocery store by me works the early shift because we always joke now, where it's like she, I gotta get in before the school rush, and these crazy parents come in, and every day I see her, how's your day going? And so you get to know these people, where it's like you know yeah. she has grandkids, you know what you did for Christmas, or she knows where I'm traveling to next, and it's like. We can all, no one's too busy not to have that conversation with anyone they know. Yep. You know, 
so I, every morning I go to a place called Bosa Donuts and it, it, it's a, a franchise or whatever of donut places. And every morning I go in and there's always a guy behind the counter cooking donuts. And he's like this tall Asian dude, like tall, tall. And forever he was wearing a mask. And all of a sudden he walked down the counter and I was like this, hey. And he goes, and then it's his voice that I remember. He goes, hey, how are you doing today? I was like, I said, is that what you look like? Holy shit. And it bothered me because I'm so now conditioned that when people like with masks or no masks, and again, I don't want to get into it. So I just right. don't fucking care. We're moving on. But I miss, I miss a human face. I am, you mentioned a hug. You know, there is very few people that could come up to me out of nowhere and say, hey, I need a hug that I wouldn't give a hug to. Now, I'm not going to go out like, I, right. you know, our world, right? We're right. Fuck. I'm, yes. I'm going to be very apprehensive of who I get close to. But if a man or a woman, for the most part, came forward and said, you know what? I just need a fucking hug. I would, for, I'm going to start crying. But I would do it in a heartbeat because that's what we're missing in the last little bit. And that's what bothers me that we're not embracing each other as a species and hugging now more than ever we need to. There are times, again, through the last couple, even before the pandemic, where I would yeah. get a text with someone being like, hey, it's been a while, I'll talk to you, I'll, I'll, I'll write back, hey man, I'm in the middle of something, I'll call you back. I'll literally go weeks or months. Or you'll see someone still be like, hey, I'll give you a call later. You never call that person. And I don't know what the hit was for me where I'm kind of like, why aren't I calling these people? Like, why aren't I, because maybe they, maybe they're anticipating that call or that conversation and it doesn't come and it's like, well, fuck, no, maybe no one cares about me or maybe I, I don't, I don't, if I don't have John's worth or Marcus's worth, maybe they're, I consider them friends. How could yeah. they, how could anyone else look differently at me than that? Yeah. You know what? Um, I get a, so there's a guy, his name's Hart and every morning, uh, we, we got online and, uh, he was just becoming, I think he had just become sober. I'm not sure exactly, the, but every morning I get a text message every morning because he's, he's in same as you East coast. I get a text message every morning and there's been a couple times where I didn't get something. And then I sent him one. I'm like, Hey, are you good? He goes, yeah, yeah. Works just a blah, blah, blah. So now every day, either I text him or he texts me now. It's, it's two seconds, man. It's two seconds. I send, and you know me, man. I love those video messages. I, I, I suck. Very I suck personal. Text. Very personal, though. But because I want you to see my face, and when I say to you, John, hey, man, I fucking love you. I want you not to misinterpret. I don't want any misunderstandings. I want you to know that I love you and I care about you. That's it. And it's, it's, it's not for everybody. The idea, again, another topic I wanted to go segue to is the idea of there's been this push of toxic male masculinity and this idea of, oh, you can't say kick ass. You can't say fucking we're going to win the day. We're gonna, all this positive stuff is very male hurrah type stuff. Yeah. The idea of a man saying I love you to another person, it for the longest time, I don't know if because I watch, grew up watching Predator and Aliens and Robocop, it's always the male is just kicking ass, right? He doesn't say yeah. I love you. Yeah, no, but, it's true. I found myself now where it's like, if I say like, man, I love you. Like it, it means differently now. I don't know if it's because the last couple of years, but I've finally found the, how powerful that phrase is to someone who's just, man, I love you, man. It's like, you generally can love that person. Now, are there people that say that in it's empty words? hundred percent. Yeah. Like most things. But for me, if I say it, I can tell by when you say it, you generally mean it. 
Yes. And I'm going to even go one step further, brother. Honestly, even if people say it and it's empty, even if it's empty, those are seven of the most magical letters that the English language has when you string them together. And I know people who say, I don't say it all the time because I want it to mean something. And then you all of a sudden, before you know it, you haven't said it in a week because it doesn't feel right. Well, sometimes we do things that don't feel right for us, but it ends up feeling right for somebody else. And what does it cost me to sit there and say to somebody, not, I mean, let, if I don't hate them, of course I love them. If I don't like you, then obviously then I'm not going to, well, usually I'm not talking to people I don't like. Right. So, so if I'm talking to you and maybe I'm not feeling overly lovey-dovey, but I don't hate you and I don't dislike you. So I love you. And I'm going to say it. And I'm going to say it. And it's funny because we grew up on the same movies. And when it comes to toxic masculinity, there's toxic femininity. Correct. Human beings, human beings are toxic fucks because, and I, and I really was going to try not to cuss so much, um, but there's toxic as a human being. We have toxicity as, as a species. So if, if me going up and say, man, I want you to go and crush the day and slaughter it and absolutely decimate today. Maybe that's because that person needs to hear that a sheer, hey, you can do it. Ain't going to be enough. You know, know your crowd, know your environment. Now, if, if I'm in a room with you, let's say it's you, me, and your dad, right? Let's say it's yep. you, me, and your dad. And for whatever reason, I get the vibe that me saying, sir, I want you to absolutely fucking crush today. It's going to just not, it's just not going to, he's not going to feel it. But if I'm going like, sir, you know what? I know that you know that I know that you are absolutely going to uh, uh, have a phenomenal day. Well, it's just right. words. It's just words that are saying the same thing. One doesn't make it more or less toxic than the other, as long as they're heartfelt. Like that's where I have, again, it's all going to come full circle. If you are saying things heart from your soul, how's that ever going to be toxic? How, how is, how is it going to be toxic? Unless for you me, mean it like from an asshole perspective. And, and to, to that point for me, my dad's a coach or my mom or these father figures or these coaches, in my life, these people I work with, my bosses, my higher ups, management, if, if I know their background, they can back it up. And they, I, I resonate more with people that are very in your face. We got to do this. This is what we're going to do. Here's a game plan, screaming, yelling. I mean, yeah. that's why I went to Norwich because I love just the screaming and the yelling and the, the chaos, but I thrive in that. And so I do see where people who aren't used to that can be like, man, I, yeah, tell, too me, much. tell me to win the game. Don't tell me to rip the player's head off. And I, and yeah. I, and I can see that side of it, but yeah. I do find it interesting even in the most calm moments or whatever, I, I just love when someone gets fired up. I love someone yeah. who's so passionate about what they're doing or trying to teach or trying to whatever. Like, I don't yeah. know if I can go to one of your classes if you just stood there going, okay, so Krabaga guys, we're going to do this. And then this yeah. was passed down from uh, right. Master Avi. Boy. And so yeah. it's like, yeah. no, tell me you're going to rip my arm off, Marcus, yeah. Yeah. if I don't do this right. And so yeah. it is... I think, and, and I agree, I, again, it, it's, it's in the right place at the right time. But there, I think that there's a way to fire people up without, like I, I, I'm also coming from the school of you gotta beat down to, to build up, right? So I have yes. to break down to get rid of all your, your garbage so that we can build you up to the best version of you. And toxic anything means that it's coming from a negative place. 
So if you feel like I've had people come up to me and, and they've been ladies who have been like, I feel that you're, uh, they have used the word toxic and I, and I kind of giggle and I'm like, toxic. There's a lot of things I am. I, and I admit it, but toxic, I'll never be toxic because, because of the fact that I come from a good place. Now, maybe I'm toxic to you. Now, maybe the listener listening to this may, may be like, you know what, John, uh, I feel that toxic masculinity is an important thing that we have because on the pendulum, we've been so far on one end where yelling at somebody and screaming, uh, cruel things to them has happened that now we're swinging to the other end where everything's got to be sensitive and you've got to care about their feelings and care about what they're they identify as and that and that's my problem is so for so many decades it's been one way and now it's so we're on the other way can we just have a little bit of you remember those teeter-totters you remember yes. them the right seesaws. seesaws and did you ever have somebody who jumped off and you ended up right still like, do it so yeah, because you know what, we needed to be taught that there's assholes on the planet and we can be assholes and we can be good people, but it's, it's a balance, man. We got to find some balance. And that's the problem we don't have on our planet right now is we have completely thrown balance right out the fucking window and we're paying a price for it. A couple of months ago, I put this thing out where it's like, I really want, I love when people become passion addicts, find your passion and become addicted yeah. to it. And yeah. 99% of the people, oh, this is great. I love, I get it. And there are a couple of people that message you like, yeah, but what if your passion's bad or it kills you? And I wrote back, I go, is it such a bad thing that your passion, are you like, I, I didn't know, I was like, I was kind of put back. I'm like, my passions, the stuff I love, I'm willing to die for. Right. Now, right. is that extreme in a sense? Sure. We're not talking about defending your right to can't bear arms or right. freedom of speech. We're talking about, man, if Marcus loves martial arts, he's going to die doing what he loves. And there's, there, right. there's nothing wrong with believing that. I just, for me to wrap my head around people that always find a negative connotation in something, yeah. you're yeah. trying to be positive. And here's the other thing too. This is my page. This is my feelings. I'm not telling you to find your own passion. I'm saying if you do have one, become addicted to it because I think it will yeah. save your life. Yeah. And, you know, well, and I think the hard part is, is there's, what is your, like the problem is most people don't know what their passion is. Right. And so if you don't know what it is, it's easy to shit on somebody and find, as you said, well, what if your passion kills you? You know, I know a lot of extreme sport athletes. And if they died in a hospital bed with tubes inside of them, that would be the cruelest way to go alive. Find what you find, like you said, find what you want to do. And, and take it to your, now see the funny part is, is extreme. The word extreme is subjective to you and I. What you find extreme, I might be like, ah, it's nothing right. or vice versa, right? right? Extreme is whatever's in your heart. What, take it to the max of you and what you're at at this point in time in your life. It's, uh, you talk about the people that if you, I can't think of the guy's name, but there's been a bunch of them recently that have either died doing the big wave surf Yep. Um, over the mountain climbing where they do like Yosemite and stuff. And yep. there's that guy, there's a great documentary on Netflix now where the guy climbed 14 peaks in a certain amount of time and yep. rescue people with Everest after he climbed it. And every time one of those people dies, and it is sad and tragic, the people that are alive that knew how happy this person was doing what they did, they're, right. not, they're sad that the person's gone, but they're happy that he went out on, on their terms doing yep. what they loved. And, I, and I, my biggest regret 
in life if it ever got to be would be when well, you're dying in your hospital bed. This is very William Wallace Braveheart. Many years yeah. from now, yeah. and you're just kind of like, man, did I really live the life I wanted to live? Like, yeah. did I fulfill my passions? Did I love as much as many people as I could? It's yeah. for me, it's like that stuff's very powerful to me. Yep. And I think it was, and I'm going to massacre this. So whoever's listening and you're like, oh, I can't believe you screwed this up. But Patton said, don't feel sorrow for those that have died. Be thankful that God created men like this. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, and, and like, whether it's parenting or fucking, I don't know, man, it doesn't really matter. Anything that you do, be the best version of you at it. And that, that, it, that comes at a cost. Right. It always, anything you want to be great at comes across. You didn't get to the position you're at right now with your job description. You did not get there by half-assing it. You sacrificed, and I don't even know the full backstory, but you sacrificed much that many people don't know about to get yeah. to where you're at now. Oh, it's, it, I think everyone, yeah, it's well, six two where it's like, are you willing to do that for what you love? And it's like a lot of times people that know me know, I don't do a lot of vacations. I, don't, I can't do a lot outside of work because I have to help my mom take care of my dad as he's yep. dealing with his stuff. And it's like, I've, because of work, I've missed weddings and funerals and all this stuff, best man duties. I've, when I'm not, can't go on those vacations, even though I could clearly go, yep. I have a duty to help my mom and help my dad. And it's like, are you willing, and you're the same way with your son. And it's like th- these, these moments in time where it's like, you're, you, I don't regret not doing that stuff. I would regret not being there if someone needed to be at home, especially yep. if I'm not working. And for me, it's like, I find joy in being there around people. And maybe when I was 21, 21, like, oh, let's go to the bar. Let's go to Dublin. Like, yep. screw this. As I've gotten older and I'm 36 now, it's like, I, I don't need to go to the tropical island this time. I, I could do here. And it's like watching you with your son and stuff like that. It's, it's so powerful. Cause it's like people that would see you on the street or if you're teaching or, online to be like oh god this guy is he's so positive stuff you have your bad days too and the reasons why you do certain things that a lot of people know about it's how you pull back those layers you as marcus is pretty cool too you know and i just uh i just wrote something about the fact that no matter what adjective verb pronoun you look at me and you're like marcus he is blank that's positive i'm the villain in many stories and the reason I'm the, I am the way that I am now is because I've been the villain in many stories. You can't be the best, goodest, not goodest, nice English, right? You can't be the goodest version of you if you haven't been evil at some point in time. And by evil, I mean not a good person. Kicking a dog, uh, breaking the law, whatever it is that, that's evil for you, what's bad for you. you if you have not been that way, then how are you supposed to appreciate being good and what good really is? And, uh, and that's where I have a problem with social media. And we've talked at length about this is what you, you see a snapshot of something, right? You see that person that took the picture. uh, Some, especially females will take 982 shots, use one of them. And for me, it's kind of like, I want to see the before picture and the after picture. Yes. In some ways, it's kind of like when you look at people who put a verse of the Bible in there, right? And you're like, okay, this. And I'm like, okay, why don't you just use before and after for some context? Everything I think on social media should have some context. 
when I say something, don't just snip at that part because sound bites, right? We grew, we've grown up now on sound bites. It's only sexy to take the one little part, fuck it right up. And then people are like, well, I can't believe he or she said that. Hold on, man. Look at the before and then look at the after and then form a, an opinion. I saw a picture recently. It was of, I don't remember which royal it was, some famous person. And there's a picture of him doing this. And then they pan to the right and he's actually exactly. doing this, right? He's waving. And it, you cannot believe anything you hear or see currently. As sad as that is, you just can't. You can't. Would you do, would you do your, and I love what you do, sometimes at night, sometimes you do it, but in the morning, you do grab your coffee, you do like your walk, you have your earbuds in. It's right. always so like, it's so rad because there's some days I watch you be like, man, he had a bad night or shitty morning or he had a great night or a great day or it's just you still put yourself out there that human aspect it's so rare the people that what the lot of work you do you're out there with whether it's skill set bag stuff or whatever right. you're doing probably got yeah. whatever you do it's so yeah. rare to have that human aspect to this is just a dude who's who's living his best life he can yeah yeah and i and i you know what i i I'm, I'm like this, I'm like a, I'm a piece of sand, a pebble of sand in the beach, in the, in the big scheme of things. But imagine if us as a society, everybody was just really transparent, not, hey man, I had a bad day. Is it the worst day I've had? No. So then it's a good day because I'm only going to have the worst, it's only a bad day if it's my worst day, but I haven't had my worst day yet. So it's a good day. And it is. And if you, if you don't believe me, anybody listening, go talk to anybody who's uh, survived cancer. Go. You ask them what their worst day is. And they're going to be like, well, I don't really have one anymore because I'm alive right now. I'm I, alive. Caught, I, I caught myself a lot during the pandemic where the grocery stores have like the lines, the dots, and go this yeah. way, go that way. And yeah. one day I'm in line. I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. Like, what are we doing? I'm like, I, I had to take a step. I took a step back. I'm like, there's a kid in Dana Farber now looking out a window wishing he could be in this line right now and he can't it's like what am i bitchy about it's like yeah. sure i've had bad days but my worst my worst day or marcus's worst day is the best day for someone else's at that time and it's yeah. it's as well as important things i think the more people realize that the less uh issues and it's, it's just it, i'm the first one to bitch i love a good bitch especially if it's in jest and joke and it's like something really yeah. stupid and trivial right but right. there are people out there that you know too that will literally bitch about the dumbest stuff and it's like dude yep. is your life that yep and I've, I've had people who are like marcus um because i like you i i'm i use this you know somebody has it worse and i've had people like well that discounts how i'm feeling right now and and i have to put things in a perspective it doesn't discount it you should be upset about what you're upset about my point is is how does that benefit you to wallow in that 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 shitty space it it never helps anything and if there's one thing i've learned in this last little while is how i'm feeling right now is this moment right now it's not a bad day it's a bad moment and if it's a bad moment then i can sit there embrace it say okay it's a bad moment and move forward and get out of that bad moment and if it takes me to think about some poor kid who's just survived stage four cancer or found out they say stage four cancer or cancer, 
And as a result from that, I immediately have a vision of uh, the new kid that, that's playing Spider-Man going into a cancer unit and, and having this kid do web yep. slinging with it. And that kid's got stage four cancer, but his day is perfect now because he just met Spider-Man. Like whatever, in all of that split second, my bad moment immediately is going to become a good moment because you know what? I thought of something positive in a negative situation. You, uh, to go back to something you said a little bit ago, the idea of uh, you can't trust any of the media. I always find it funny too that, God forbid this uh, Stuart story gets put out or a quote or whatever. And it's like, they said this, and it comes out to be false and complete bullshit. There are a million tweets of the actual bullshit, but when it comes to the apology, if there is one, no one gives a shit about it. We're at that part of our lives where it's like, no one cares about accountability or being truthful. It's so mesmerizing. Yeah. And it's, and, and there's the toxic, if you want to use the word toxic, that's the toxic part of our humanity right now. And, if I, if I went down that road of thinking about how just that, like that right there, how everyone just bad news travels faster than good news. Now, somebody once told me, and she was much older than me, um, because I said to her, I said, wow, we're like the worst part of, of our, our species right now. And she looked at me and smiled. She goes, she goes, honey, no, it's not. We are, this is not the worst that we're at. We've had it far worse. And obviously perspective from somebody who's 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 to now is going to look back and say, wow, you know, uh, no, you guys actually, everything's really good right now, no matter how bad you think it is. And when I sit there and I kind of got off my point a bit was we have always as a society done, bad news has always traveled better than than goodness like that is just as a species a human species we we do better with negativity not better we we enjoy negativity more than we like positivity and that's because usually we have to learn a lesson from a negative situation i did something bad i got a spanking oh i know not to do that specific thing because that translates to getting a whooping we learn from a failure we learn from a negative that's just how we are as a species. Fuck it. The other day, I love Tony this, but a couple weeks ago, I was going to the store and I had your hunt your local pedophile shirt on. And and I love it because it's so it's such a great conversation piece. But someone I know uh, saw me and was like, man, that's a little aggressive this morning, isn't it? I go, so it's raping kids. And Amen. I, I said it so like they know me, they know my humor, but they knew I my, that was my honest reaction. It's like, you're finding the atrocity in something saying kill a local pedophile, but you're not looking at why I'm saying it. And yep. to kind of go what you, to tie it in, it's like, there's, it's just so fascinating to me that people are so quick to look at something they determine it could be scary or vulgar, but it's like the message of this shirt is why we should why? kill. Yep. yep. Now, I want this to lead into what, and I do want to talk about the human trafficking, the stuff you just did recently too, because I think that's really rad as well. Yeah. And so, so I recently was working with a group and I work with them quite a bit called uh, CRI, Children's Rescue Initiative. And, you know, sex trafficking, which has been around since the dawn of mankind, uh, you know, there's 498,000 different groups that are working on it. So, you know, I'm, I'm shedding a little light on mine, but what made this trip spectacular was there was about seven different organizations there at the same time 
all working together to try to sit there and make uh, make it harder for sex traffickers to do their job. Sex trafficking is never going away. Like, it's just not. That's like saying that drugs will never stop right. being sold in it. Like, I mean, I have to be a pragmatic about it. Right. No more oil for cars. No more oil yeah, for shit. No, come okay. on, man. Wake right. up and hit reality. Right. But where I am going to uh, draw a line for uh, is the acceptance of pedophilia and how we're changing the verbiage so that it's acceptable. So it's not so uh, harsh and aggressive and that um, we're gonna use this word because we want it to be okay for an older person who sexually is active with young people and it's okay. Now I wanna put some perspective before people shit their pants. First of all, the hypocrisy. As men, we have a hypocrisy. A, a 30-year-old man having sex with a 15-year-old girl is unacceptable. But when a 30-year-old woman has sex with a 15-year-old boy, right on, buddy, way to there's go. There's there's jokes, like, oh, I wouldn't yeah. tell on the teacher. Yeah. Right. So at the end of the day, there's an age of consent that has to be flexible because I know, I have seen 15-year-old girls who are like 20-year-old women. They're developed, their their verbiage, the way that they are. So for me to sit there and say, well, that girl shouldn't have sex with an older man. Hey, man, at some point in time, we have to be flexible. So where I draw the line in is when a person cannot say no because they will be physically overwhelmed by their sexual partner. When they physically can't say no, that's when it's unacceptable. And now the beautiful part about that is because that's also adult women who are getting raped. If they cannot say no to the person that they're having sex with because that person is physically overwhelming them and they have fear and it stops them, then that is unacceptable. And there's no 10-year-old boy or girl alive that's like, yes, please have sex with me. Not one. Correct. Not one. So if you're okay with a grown man having sex with a 10-year-old child, if you're okay with it and you find, you change the verbiage however you want to, you and I are going to have a moral disagreement. And it is, I like to try to keep flexible, right, bro? Like I, I try to be as open as possible. That is something where I am not going to have an open mind. You are not going to change my mind on that. And it will lead to a very passionate conversation. It's not agree to disagree. It's no. And if I see you doing that, there's going to be a very stern talking to that's going to happen if I catch a man having sex with a child or a woman having sex with a child. Don't think I'm going to be like, oh, ladies, you get a pass. If you're a woman and you're playing around with a 10-year-old boy and sucking him off and doing these things, lady, you deserve a punch in the face with a baseball bat that has nails in it. And I think it's that reaction that scares people. And, and, and for me, it's like it's a weird because it's like if you if you defend these kids and you are a good person, the language of punching a pedophile in the face or shooting a pedophile yeah. should not offend you. I get why right. it does. It does. Yep. Help, I me, do. help me help me understand why it bothers you though, because yeah. do you react the same way when you read a news article of a 
person assaulting a child, sexually assaulting a kid. Like, is it if you give it the same reaction, then I get it. It's the act. You don't yep. like violence, but yes, sometimes you need violence. Yep. And you know, I'm reading a book right now, uh, When Violence Is the Answer by Tim Larkin. And I've never met the guy. It was really nice when he sent me the book. And I and and obviously he and I speak the same language, and you know, right. it's, it makes a lot of sense. There is no cure for pedophilia because it's inside. Now, unlike people who are, you know, if you're transgender and you know, you hate who you are in the mirror and you want to change it, then right on brother and sister, go to it, find your happiness. But if your happiness is having sex with a 10 year old child, then I strongly suggest that you don't take action on that. I, uh, it's funny. The last time I, well, the first time I talked to you, like FCA just got killed. Uh, Max yeah. was arrested. We, so it's funny that we're still talking about this. Is but after your episode aired and the one with Dr. Lewis Lee, who runs Children of the Night, I was approached by an organization. A gentleman say, "Hey, I work with this organization that stops human trafficking." And I'm like, "Oh, cool! I'd love to have you on." He goes, "The the the here's the kicker." He goes, "We are an organization that's based on we are all f- convicted sex offenders who are now reprogrammed, or right. we want to stop what we went through." It right. for me. While I appreciated that they changed their ways for yeah. whatever reason, and I don't know if you just kind of, you might just hit on it. I don't know if you've already done it's like me having a uh, it's like me having Chris Brown's podcast to talk about why you shouldn't hit women after you've done something atrocious. Like, dude, you're a piece of shit. And yeah. for me, as a good Christian or whatever, I, yeah. I could forgive this person to talk about why yeah. human trafficking or sex trafficking is bad. So I don't know if that's something I have, I'm dealing with, but yeah. when it comes to a crime or an act like that, I just don't, I can't find forgiveness. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up because I have, uh, I have people who bought the shirt and they're like, dude, I can't wear it. I'm buying it, but I can't wear it. And <laughs> at first I was kind of like, what is wrong with you? Now I've had some time to go back and reflect. It's been a few years and, and I get it. I do. I, I've got guys who buy the shirt and they're like, dude, I carry uh, conceal carry all the time I can't wear because if I shoot somebody and they end up being a pedophile I'm fucked and again it I I get it please I please whoever's listening don't think I'm not understanding and and empathetic but the visual and now having been molested myself I understand okay so I once bumped into not bumped into I saw one of the men who molested me as a child and I was shaking I was shaking. I was shaking because I, I, I was torn. Do I, do I go over and stab this man repeatedly with whatever's in my hand? He was with his wife and child who, and now I've, you know, I've kept tabs on him. He's now with a, he's married to a man and a, he, obviously his wife and child aren't there. But I was, I was like this. And then I had regret afterwards. I'm like, what are you, a coward? Like, why, why wouldn't you go into wow. it? And it's my belief now, looking back, that I believe that God intervened on that one because had I gone and done something, I would have gone to jail. I would have gone to jail. And it's not my job to forgive him. I have a hard time believing that there's forgiveness in that. That's God's job. I'm going to let God forgive him. And I'm, that's not my job. I, have a, I, 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 can, I can try to be understanding but I find a hard time doing it. 
And I've talked to women who have forgiven their assaulters. They're like, you know what? I forgive them for what they've done to me. And I'm like, you have a, you have a sense of growth and you, you're, you're up on a pedestal. Cause I like you, I am not, I'm not at that place yet. And I don't, I mean, I can't say I won't never be because right. I don't want to, I don't want to put those limits on, but I have, I have a huge amount of respect for those that can forgive uh, those kind of acts. And it's pretty much the one thing I, I won't forgive on at this point in time. Everything it's, else is forgivable. The, 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 not to really change subjects or victims here, but the other thing too, was like the elderly abuse or oh lord or that or special needs people or kids or adults that are abused by people that work in yeah. these hospitals. And yeah. another act I can't forgive. And it's like, is enough being done for the defenseless? Like, cause I'm always torn yeah. where it's like, Oh, throw the book out, put him in jail. It's like, is that enough? Like it's still happening. It's like, where yeah. are we messing up as humans where it's okay to abuse an elderly person or assault yeah. a special needs person? It's just, yeah. how do we get rid of these evil people? Because it seems like you put 10 away in jail or they get killed or even, yeah. I love the prisoners kill pedophiles too. I love that yeah. they're adamant about it. I kind of respect yeah. that. Yeah. But where are we where evil continues to find a way, like what's the catalyst to bring these people to keep doing these actions? Well, first of all, there's always gonna be evil. That's, that's never going anywhere. Uh, and it will be, as long as there's good, there's gonna be evil and you can argue that, people can argue it all you want. And again, I don't wanna get into faith. I don't wanna get any of that. I wanna get into, if there's good, there's evil. And if there's evil, it's up to us as a species to stand up for those that are defenseless, right? The, right. the, the elderly or the weak or the, the, the ones who can't fight back. It's up to us to do it. Now, how do we do that? Well, that's a, that's a whole different show. And I think that there's, there's, a, there's a breakdown in our society that we've all turned a blind eye. I don't want to get involved. And let's look at domestic violence attacks. Okay, let's look at those because that is a, a one spouse beating another spouse. If it's my understanding, I don't think it's changed that the number one uh, charge that most law enforcement officers get hurt in the line of duty on is domestic violence because of this all of a sudden the switch in the partner. When we go, like, let's see, you and I are going down and I actually get to come out your area and we're having coffee and everything's good. And we see a kid being pulled by an adult and the kid's screaming, oh, no, 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 that person's not, I don't know this person. And then you go, we grab them, wrap them up. We find out that that kid was a lying little shit. A lot of us are desensitized to taking action because the reward and the risk I'm going to end up getting charged with assault. Well, it's I like the, the good Samaritan laws where it's like, if you're a doctor, a traffic accident, like you could be held liable, even though you're there, you're the first one there to maybe possibly save this person's life. It's very, the idea of punishing people who are acting on good faith and intentions, like you said it best, that would scare me to doing, and I never pray that I see someone abuse in public or an assault or someone saying something to a handicapped kid. But I hope in my gut, that I don't, I have enough restraint to not seriously maim or kill that person. Still, right, that. and you know because we're both 
you know, obviously you're at a higher level with regards to security. There's ways to do things to enforce a secure environment that are not overtly violent. A lot of times your presence can be there and what have you. I believe in this. This is, and this is, I'm talking right now. It's just come to me right now. Us standing up for, in those moments, standing up for those that can't fight for themselves. What I'm hoping is, is that our actions show that person who's being abused that one, there's hope, there's hope, there's, there's good people on the planet. And two, if they're, if they can change their scenario, that they will take action to change their scenario because they've seen through other people's actions that they're, that they can do it. Now, the elderly is a different situation, special needs is a different situation, obviously. Um, so the only thing I can hope is that us standing up for those that can't shows evil that, you know what, not on my watch. And if all of us as a, as a society who are good people could say not on my watch, it makes it very problematic for them to be able to do those acts. Where I have a problem now in our society is there's no, they don't, evil doesn't give a shit. They'll do stuff right blatant in front because they're like, what are you going to do about it? Because of the fact that not enough people will stand up and say, not on my watch. One of the, uh, and I read all the Stephen K books. And the reason why I love his books is because it's always good versus evil. It's always a bunch of miscasts, yeah. a bunch of freaks that band together to fight this evil entity. Yeah. It could be an idea, a concept, an actual monster that represents something else. But yeah, I just love the fact that if we could get as a human race, to all, all us freaks, all us miscasts, everyone that thinks differently, to think on the same page of good, like how, and I, and I, you, you did say it best. Where it's like you, is you need evil to be good, good. For, you, you need that yin and yang to push ourselves. But how cool would it be if the balance of the shift came to the good side, where it's like we could all, we could all think differently, we could all be yeah. different. But how much yeah. badass would it be if we were yep. all this kind of good? Yep, I, 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 and I have to have hope. Like for me, hope is the the precursor to faith. I have to have hope. They say hope is not a course of action. I've been educated on this too. They're like, Marcus, stop making the correlation that hope is not a course of action. Because in a military or law enforcement or in a violent situation, you're right, hope ain't going to fucking help. But in life, hope is a course of action. And being hopeful leads to having faith. And having faith leads to sitting there and doing good deeds. And good deeds changes the shift. Right. And hopefully right. maybe somebody even listening to this, doing something, helping an older person to their car. Uh, hold the door open. Hold the door open. <laughs> Put your cart back where it belongs. All these little things can make a change in the world. We can change everything if we just, these little acts, these little acts become big acts, right? Like the rippling effect. Again, little pebble ends up with a big, big, uh, a big round circle. It's not rocket science. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed since we've been upright as a species. Doing good things is the only course of action. If you know it's wrong, don't do it. How fun has it been for you to get back on the road, obviously after the last couple of years, seeing people's faces again, seeing old friends and getting out there and just doing what you normally do? And well, and it's changed a little bit because my, my, my job description has changed a little bit, but because, and I've, and I've mentioned this in the past, you know, I'm kind of lost. Like I don't, I don't have a, I don't know what my purpose is. So going into a venue 
and doing what's comfortable for me, right? Educating people's comfortable, but seeing people have their aha moment of the mere fact that I am not completely useless if violence comes my way, which means that their fear management is, is better. And that's the big thing that I'm, I'm a huge fan of fear management right now. Tony Blower's Tony no Blower, world-class. Like for a grumpy old bastard, he is phenomenal. <laughs> You know, and I love shit talking him because, and I say it as a matter of fact, I'll probably get off of this. I'm like, listen, I was on this podcast and I want you to know that I should talk to you yet again. Tony's done this one with me. He's, he's, he's a hoot. He's a blast. He is right. And the problem is, is he's just too fucking smart. Like that's the problem because to, to get into his brain and actually open up, you remember the Britannica's, the encyclopedia oh, Britannica's, right? First guy like, for $39 and get the yeah. next. Well, the problem is, is that some bitch will, you know, we start at A and by the time we get to B, he's already six hours long because he has so much knowledge. But fear management and it transcends self-defense and security and all that. It, it, it's about a quality of life that, that I care about. And so to answer your long-winded answer, it's been nice to sit there and just, one, see that there's good people on the planet because sometimes we forget and to watch people step over the threshold of where their fear or whatever their insecurity was and see that there's just a little glimmer of hope. It really has been phenomenal. So if I can get on the road and just do that and see people have those things that they've, it, that would be. A, a I good noticed you were doing some of like the, uh, the self-defense stuff, obviously like the workplace violence type stuff. And it'd be, it, for me, it'd be cool just to see, cause those aha moments you, you speak of, that was that was that would that type of stuff fuels me to be like oh maybe I said something right or I'm making that small difference in this person's life that an hour before this class was afraid to tell their boss off in a, in a coffee yeah. break room, and yeah. if if you're able to bottle those aha moments like it's got to be such a cool thing is because I don't do any teaching or instructing, you have you get able to do that but to see that in real time it's got to just be so awesome. Yeah. And it, to be honest with you, it's the things that I hold on to during my bad moments. Not necessarily that I'll remember specifics because I don't, but the feeling, I remember the feeling. And that feeling is a lot of times enough to just wake me up a little bit and be like, you know, Marcus, just remember when you're lost and you don't know what the fuck you're doing, you're praying to God every single day. Listen, what am I doing? What am I doing? Just remember what you've done so far. And it's not living in the past because I don't, I don't do that, but I, it means that I've made an impact. And that means I have another, I have more of an impact to give out in whatever capacity that it is. And even this conversation, if somebody's listening and they're like, well, listen, those two idiots. And uh, wow. My takeaway is, is that I can stand up for myself and that there are good people on this planet. If they, somebody gets one positive thing out of this, then it was worth the chat. Right. No, totally. Uh, before I let you go, I think one of the cool things, um, the, the work you did, the, uh, the, the fold outs for skill set bag, uh, your work with Clint Emerson and the incredible book. I love all that stuff that you were part of yes. that. Um, where, how for you, I've never asked you this, but when you do something like that, you put yourself out there further in a different medium, different book or a different person trusts you with what you're talking about. Is it a weight off your shoulder as well that, man, maybe what I actually have been learning for the last 20 something years, it is going to make a difference. And I am, and I am respected in this way. 
Because you're, um, you're saying for me, though, it doesn't look like you don't need skill set. You don't need Clarence to put you in a book. You're still going to be Marcus Torgerson. But I yeah. find it really cool that these people trust you to be to speak upon a subject matter that you really care about. Yeah, and I'm going to bring Tony into this because I was on his podcast and it ended up being just him ripping me an asshole on <laughs> on on the fact that I do this, this self-deprecation thing of, you know, am I good enough or, you know, Clint, I, I, you know, I, and I think I might even said it in the past is, well, how did I get the book? Well, you know, I stalked Clint. No, I got on the book because I'm, I'm good at what I do. And, and the fact with, there's no ego in that. That's, that's just because like Clint Emerson wouldn't risk his reputation putting me in there if he didn't think that I had something to offer. Correct. So when I get validation in these things that I do, it does help with the insecurity, fear, and doubt that is running rampant in my body because I couldn't possibly be good enough at what I'm doing and that all these people are full of shit and it's a fluke. Well, you can't, you know, uh, remember Sammy Sosa and... and yeah. uh, Mark Right. When they were knocking all those home runs... Um, it wasn't a fluke. It was because they worked really hard to be able to knock that shit out of the park. And then how many times did they strike out to be able to get to those things? So the, all my failures have gotten me to this point where I've learned enough of my failures to be able to move forward in, in, in this way. And so, yeah, it feels, it feels good. It does. It feels good. It's it is funny though too knowing you and having got to understand you and become become friends over this last couple of years. In the, some of the Clint Emerson stuff where you're punching the uh, I can't, was it Hitler in the face? Fuck yeah, it was. Yeah, I so you hit Hitler. Hitler in the face and kicked him in the balls. It's like you're kicking Hitler in the dick, or you you got that really cool uh, shot of the pistol and the skill set man cover. It's like again to go to kind of circle back here. You look at someone like you. If I didn't know, you'd be like, oh, this guy's a fucking badass clearly he knows what he's talking about he knows all this but holy fuck he's a human that if i'm done to martial arts or self-defense or survival i can still relate to marcus because he says i love you or he still has insecurities like i do and it's like there's not a lot of people in your industry um that are able to put the heart on the sleeve and i think if there were more people would be like oh i get it now they're really yeah. good at what they do. Like I'm a good lawyer or I'm a good construction worker. Or I'm a good chef or I'm a good stay at home mom. But now I get why they're at this level. It's like, it's, it's, it's so easy to walk by one of those books, in the store now where it's all oh, the new Sig Sauer out or, or these hunting magazines where all these guys are flexing, carrying 12 point box. It's like, I get it because I know these people and I respect what right. they do. But right. if you don't put a, if you don't put a soul behind someone's eyes, like yeah. I'm not buying this magazine. And it's, it's really cool because I have friends who I have these guys, these magazines laying around. People come over and be like, oh, fuck, this is really good. Like, I, I remember this guy. I did an article with Tim Larkin. He's like, this guy has a podcast, right? I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, he's always came off as very, like, I'm better than you or whatever. And they read this article and they're like, well, holy fuck, I get it now. Yeah. He's a human. Yeah. He has he the human. same doubts you do in a grocery store. Yeah. And it's like, it's, yeah. it's just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. And I think transparency is, like for me, being transparent is a is a, a cloak of safety for me, because if I air everything out, then right. you have nothing to hit me with, right? Um, that was the how it started, and now my transparency has 
open conversations that would never happen. Like talking to recovering addicts, doesn't matter what it is. Right. When they look and they're like, well, how did you do it? Well, I did it. And the fact that, you know, or I talk to somebody who's been recovery for 40 years or whatever, you know, I give them a little fist bump and a hug. And I'm like, you're awesome. It, again, giving hope to others in my actions. I understand now why I had to spend almost 50 years in this turmoil roller coaster of shit because now talking to my friend i'm able to tell somebody listen well you know i can speak with authenticity in my because of my my previous actions in the past and i can only do that by being transparent because if it if i'm not transparent then i feel like i've lost my my validity as a human being no it's so right on um before I let you go though, Marcus, where, what do you got coming up? Anything coming on? Any new t-shirts? Like any, any ideas you've got floating around your head of yours? Well, you know, as you have gone into the, uh, that apparel yeah. industry, yes. um, the one thing I'm very bad at is the, um, the background. So packing shit up, sending it off, all the stuff that's important to having that ending uh, like clothing lines or, or cups or whatever. Um, so there's ideas I have in my head. Uh, I just won't pull the trigger on them because I know how sh much I suck at the, uh, at the other parts of doing that business. And as somebody, I watch your live videos where you're folding and packing and doing stuff. And I look, I'm like, you're, you're amazing. You're amazing. Cause that shit makes me want to fucking strangle somebody. As for what I have going on, like I look at my board and, and I have, you know, question marks with people who have said, oh, I want you to come out here. I want you to come, you know, until the contract's signed or until I have, you know, money in the pocket. Right. Eh. So I've got, I've got some stuff that I'm working on so that when I'm not flying around, um, I'll have some ways of, of income and, you know. I feel better about myself of making money on a regular basis. I might be moving back to Texas. I shouldn't say I might, I'll be moving back to Texas. Uh, I just need to find a way to do it. Um, Texas is definitely where my heart is. Um, but no, I don't have anything going on except every day I do that. Like my discipline is the same thing every day. I get up at four, make coffee. I, I study the word. I go for a walk. I'm reading two books at the same time. And I try how do to do you, a how do you read two books? Are they both same subject matter or no, no, they're different subject matters. Okay. So, just... Like, like this is the crazy faith is this kid's oh, unbelievable. I saw him online and just the way that he speaks is, and he reads, he writes the way he speaks. And then I'm reading this, yeah. uh, the Tim Larkin book. So I need to sit there because I can only read a subject matter for so long before I'm like, okay, I, I don't understand what I'm doing anymore. So I need to go away and read something else. Um, and then I go for walks, you know me, man, I go for my walks. And that's where I start to clear out a lot of the bullshit that's in my head. Um, and I know that I'm on a limited amount of time that I can do that because at some point in time, God's going to sit there and be like, listen, here's what I need you to do. And my world's going to change. And I'm going to be very much like you and how your world is that you're doing what you're doing on a massive scale. And when you do have moments of home, you're busy doing important shit like with your mom and your dad and yeah. and your business like so i take these moments of like the calm before the storm to be honest with you it's been two years but there's a i i know that at some point in time it'll it'll end 
No, and uh, it will end. It has to. Uh, Marcus, this has been amazing. Uh, thank you for jumping on here again for the third time. And uh, honestly, I could keep going, I, but I, I, we both have stuff to do. But I love the idea that there's no agenda, no notes, literally just two people. It's so refreshing. We don't have to plug a book. We don't have to plug no. a class. I mean, you can literally talk about whatever. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you right now. I, I obviously we're good friends because we can sit there and just bullshit, which is what right. we've been doing. Um, right. And I love the fact that you, you changed, you flipped the script a little bit and you went off your, your agenda or what your plans are, how you do things. And we just got to bullshit. And I really hope I, what I really hope is that whoever's listening to this gets as many takeaways as I got out of it. No, and I think, they, and I think they will. I think it's a necessary talk between two people. It's hopefully these are conversations people can have over dinner or at restaurants. Yes. Yes. Maybe take out some of the punchy people in the face and, call people bitches but you know what it take that out of it it's still the same it's all about hug and love man no matter what this whole thing comes down to communication hugs and love like that's what this is about no matter right on yeah awesome marcus thank you sir all right i love you brother bye how's it going everyone john here the host of spear talk you might not know this but before i record an episode i like to break a sweat and i do that using the chop fit over the course of the past year, the ChopFit has allowed me to lose weight, tone up my body, and feel even more amazing about myself. A feeling that you should all feel about yourself as well. If you use this code, SPEARCHOP10, you get $10 off your order. Once again, use code SPEARCHOP10 for $10 off your ChopFit order. It'll change your life. Thank you. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.